0: Hello coders. Welcome to episode 90 of the how to code well podcast. How's everyone doing? I hope everybody, hope everybody is well. And today we're going to be talking about minimum requirements of web developers in terms of hardware. And, um, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a uh, personal, personal one. I think today because in the sense of it's a timely one, I am looking to upgrade my machines in my office here. Um, not, not out of want, but out of need. And it got me thinking, it got me thinking, what are the minimum requirements, uh, for, um, for someone who wants to become a web developer? What, what should they expect? Um, and I can remember way, 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 way back when I started out and, uh, the requirements were just your everyday laptop. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with the basic sort of two gigabytes worth of Ram and, uh, like windows 98, (laughs) Um, and it's changed so much, so much since the, so, since, since those good old days of Netscape Navigator. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we're going to be talking about that. Um, and we're going to be talking about why I need probably to upgrade my kit, um, as well. But before we get into that, um, we've got, I've got some, uh, some bits and pieces I want to talk about first. We've got some questions, uh, that I'm going to ask, answer, sorry. Uh, from the audience. These are questions left on the, um, the YouTube channel. I'm going to answer those, um, in just a second. I'm also going to talk about where, um, how to cope well is in terms of the big experiment that we're doing. Um, as well as drink some beer, I'm now drinking Camden pale ale. That's the one I'm on tonight. And, um, yeah. And then we'll talk about the minimum requirements. So I suppose the first thing we'll do is we'll, we'll talk about the, we'll go through the questions. We'll answer those questions first. Uh, so I've picked out three, <coughs> excuse me. And um, the first one is by uh, Fatima and Fatima asks on one of the live coding uh, videos that I've have on the main channel. Um, the question is, are those live coding, um, shows, I suppose you would call them videos. Are they connected? Um, yes, they are. They are connected. Um, so you can, you can go back and watch them from the first one all the way up to, to, to where it is at the moment. But, um, I think the reason for your question is because I changed from uploading to this channel, which is the how to code well main channel um, to the how to code well archive channel. So that is a separate channel. It's in, it's linked from this. I'll put a, a link in the show notes too. Um, and that has all of the live streams that I do on Twitch because of obviously I live code on Twitch. Um, I live code on Twitch on Tuesday mornings at seven in the morning and i also live code on sunday afternoons at 1430 these are all in gmt times and then what i do is after that is i i upload them or export them up to the archive channel now the reason why i've done this is because um well twitch <laughs> twitch will uh remove your video after a period of time i can't remember what it was I'm an affiliate of Twitch, so I think my, my settings are different to those who have just started streaming on Twitch. So I think I'm allowed to have a little bit longer. Um, but there is a cutoff period. And so I would like to obviously archive these and put them up on, on, on YouTube because they get removed from Twitch eventually. Um, and yes, those, those, uh, those videos are long formats. So some of them go all the way up to four hours long, just me coding and talking. Um, and, uh, I, I didn't want them to be on this channel because this channel has a lot of tutorials, which are like 10 minutes long. So I didn't want to sort of pollute the waters, um, and, uh, ch- sort of change the content type here. So that's why we've got the how to code well archive channel. So... If you're, if you're watching a, a live stream that's on this channel and it's to do with code and I'm coding and then you're wondering where the rest of it is, it's probably on the archive channel. Now, something I, I will put my hand up and admit that, um, I haven't put all of them on. There is a lot that I'm, I'm, I'm yet to upload. <laughs> so I've just been so busy that I haven't, I haven't done the usual, um, routine of getting them up, um, uh, f- frequently, regularly. So what I'm going to do is probably upload them in a massive batch. Um, and, uh, and then suddenly one day you'll have like many, many to watch, <laughs> which is, which is cool. Okay. So the second question is, um, by Bowana. Um, Bowana is asking, this is on the Gatsby, um, video where I was demonstrating how to Uh, I should really put these links in the show notes, but, um, this question was showing how to deploy Gatsby, uh, Gatsby being the static, uh, static front end. (coughs) And the question is that, um, uh, Boana has ran the Gatsby build command, but isn't, it's not creating the public folder and is wondering what to do, um, about this. Now, the first thing I would suggest is to look at the at the, uh, the output in the command line and see if there's any errors, because those errors would, would, um, sort of direct you into what's going on. It could be a permissions issue. Um, it could be, it could be something else, but I, I also recommend running Gatsby develop. This is the develop, um, command, which will build you the site, but not in sort of production mode, Um, it'll build you the site and it'll be, um, it'll put it on a a local host uh, with, with a port. It's usually local host 8,000 and, um, and then you can access the site. So I would try that first, um, get that working and then try and, um, diagnose why the build command isn't creating your public folder. That's the where all the static sites, sorry, all the static files live that is the folder that you would upload to your, um, to your hosting provider, <laughs> excuse me. Um, as, as to why that's not happening, I don't really know unless I actually saw the output. So, um, it'll be interesting. If you could join the discord server, it's totally free to join. Um, feel free to, to, um, contact me there. Um, my username is at PFWD and, um, send me the, send me the output. I'll, uh, I'm more than happy to take a look at it. And, uh, if you can, um, follow like how to do code formatting on discord, that'd be great too. Um, when, once you join the, the, the bot that welcomes you in, gives you a link, um, to how to ask a question dot how to code That is a single page, which shows you how to, uh, do, do code formatting in discord. Um, okay. So the third question is by Callum, uh, Yukus, I'm apologies for, uh, butchering names here. Um, this is a question on the HTML for beginners, uh, course or video, uh, or tutorial, I suppose I should call it. <laughs> um, Callum says, this is a dumb question. Uh, and, and maybe it, I missed it on the first watch your browser is, is there a specific, uh, website that you have opened to write on? And when you save it in the code editor, are you saving it forever on the said website? Um, Are you editing a website domain uh, you purchased? Um, Sorry, just trying to get a feel for things. So first of all, no need to apologize. Um, I (laughs) totally appreciate that uh, watching someone write code and then suddenly a website appears for someone who hasn't or, or, um, isn't familiar with the process. It's kind of like, you know, looking at magic. Uh, so what I was doing on that course was creating HTML, which is, you know, hypertext markup, uh, language. And, um, that produces a website or a web page using uh, HTML. And then I can, I can, uh, uh, t- open that file in a browser. So as I'm coding, because I'm changing that file locally. And when I say locally, I mean on my own laptop, I can refresh the browser and the browser, um, is in the URL bar. The URL bar is, um, just a, a file path. I shouldn't say just, it's a file path in the URL bar. Um, and that file path goes, is, is pointed to a HTML file, the HTML file that I'm editing on the fly. Um, so it's not it, it isn't on the web. It's totally local. Um, but I do appreciate that, that that it does look a bit odd. Um, so editing a file and then pressing refresh and then suddenly it appears. So the with the HTML for beginners course, there is no obviously there's no PHP, there's no there's no um server side stuff. It is just building a static uh, HTML file And then pointing the URL in the address bar and in your browser to that file and then just pressing refresh whenever I'd make a change. Um, and, uh, that is, that is kind of like, that's the, that's the easiest way of creating and testing out HTML. To be fair, you don't need to have, um, uh, you know, a web hosting to create a website. Um, if you, if you're just doing it locally, you know, so that's how I built that course. That's how I built that course. No need to apologize. It's not a stupid question. Um it's a genuine question. And um uh, it is it, it all boils down to that URL bar. And you can and in fact what you could do is you could create a HTML file and then you could drag that file from your um uh, file explorer or bre- or your finder or wherever, whatever your operating system you're using, you could drag, you've that file from your desktop and plonk it into your, um, into the browser. And then that browser will read that file. It's much like when you drag and drop a image file into a browser and the, br- the browser will read that as a JPEG. Um, so yeah, that's what I was doing. Excuse me. Um, okay. So, how to code well news. Let's talk about that because I have a challenge, (laughs) a challenge that I'm doing. And I've set myself this challenge, um, about two weeks ago. It finishes, um, it finishes, uh, on Sunday, apparently (laughs) this is the experiment. This is the how to code well experiment. Um, this is the front end, um, which is currently in Gatsby which is a, you know, a JavaScript, uh, static site builder, uh, that uses react. And, um, the challenge was to bring it all into symphony. So, I mean, I won't go into the, to the, to the why's and the where's but because I've, I've discussed that in my, in the, in episode 89, uh, technical regret. Um, but, uh, yeah, by Sunday, I want to have the site, to be at the same level, if not better than the current site that's live or at least the current site that's on the beta beta server. Um, so I'll give you some insights as to where that's going because Sunday is my cutoff point. What happens on Sunday is that I want to, on the stream, I want to run all the Cypress tests. (laughs) I want to, uh, run all the unit tests I want to run PHP Stan at the highest level. I want to run all of the CMS acceptance tests and they all must pass. <laughs> and that will be my, that will be my proof that, uh, what I've done is correct. Um, and it's, I've, I've noted down certain pros and cons of going from a static site to a, um, to, to, to a dynamic site written in symphony. There are some pros and there are some cons, um, some unexpected cons I should, I should also say. So I'll be discussing those probably next week. Uh, once I, once I, once I actually do all this. So Saturday is going to be very busy, very, very busy, I think, because (laughs) I did plot out, Uh, sort of a a, a weekly, a plan for this week. And I've been, I've been, um, I do this in the evenings um, and whenever I stream. So Tuesday mornings and the evenings, as well as the weekend. So it's not like I can just sit down and just do this. Um, Otherwise this would have all been done already. I'm a contractor. So, um, you know, during the day I'm working for other people, so I can't do any of this during the day. That's what I'm trying to say. Um So on Monday night, um, I built the, this is this week, Monday night, I built the account pages. So these are very basic pages. These are like, um, these they, they are basically cut, cut from, cut, cut um, shifted and lifted from the static site over. And, um, all these account pages just say coming soon. There's nothing, there's nothing to them. It's just a bunch of buttons and it's it's the, uh, private account. So when you log in, you get to this account dashboard type thing. And there's a lot of sort of, well, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of widgets on this dashboard that just say coming soon. So that wasn't, that wasn't a massive thing to do. Um, I also built the programming resources on the blog, on the blog index page. So this is a list of, um, programming books that I can, that I recommend, um, this is a sort of a, not a list. It's, it's a grid. It's a grid of um, six books on the, on the blog index page. Tuesday nights, I wrote some tests for um, recent blog posts. Tests are written in Cyprus in, in this um, instance. Um, I did the recent posts on the blog page. So when you go to a blog page, it then gives you a um, sort of, it offers you, uh, f- I think it was four additional posts blog posts you know the the in chronological order uh, so they will always be the same four the four most recent um and then and then i ran out of time <laughs> and then i ran out of time i was supposed to do um the forgotten password uh, write a test for the forgotten password and i was supposed to actually build that functionality as well on tuesday night but i just didn't get around to it wednesday night i didn't get around to any of it Um, I was supposed to fix the live embedded Twitch, uh, stream. That's not working. I didn't do that. I didn't have time. Um, I was supposed to write a test for that as well. And I was supposed to build the coming soon pages and write a test for those. And I just, I just didn't have, I didn't have time. I was working, uh, Wednesday evening and Thursday night. (laughs) Thursday night, same deal. Well I'm I'm doing this podcast, so you know, I can't actually do any work right now, obviously. Uh but I was supposed to Thursday night I was supposed to um fix up the course descriptions. I think there's just a call there to, to um I'm I'm just pulling the wrong uh data in, I think. Um and I was supposed to fix some margins um on the actual design certainly don't have any time for that tonight. And then Friday night, I was supposed to, <laughs> I'm supposed to fix the, uh, code notes issue and, uh, for, fix the prism JS, um, JavaScript stuff. And then, uh, Saturday I had free because I wanted a day off. And then Sunday I was supposed to, I'm supposed to do all the, run all the tests and verify everything. So there's a lot that I have to do. <laughs> there's a lot that I still have to do. Um, I'm, I'm way behind, but I still want, uh, Sunday to be the cutoff. I still want to be the Sunday to be the cutoff. So hopefully when I stream on Twitch on Sunday, um, I can say that all of this is done and we can run all the tests and fix. I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting these tests to all pass on the first instance. I'm expecting me to fix these, find these issues and fix these, fix issues. So I'm kind of seeing Sunday as a bit of a working day as well. Um, also, so yeah, that's where that's, that is, uh, let's now talk about the minimum requirements. So the minimum requirements of a web developer in terms of hardware. <laughs> and if we, if we went back to the start the show, I mentioned that, um, when I started out as a, as a, as a, a web developer, in a very sort of, um, amateur way. Um, even, you know, way back when I was, when I was studying, when I was, went to college and university, I was working on a windows machine. Um, it was a windows laptop and I also had a windows desktop as well. Um, I can't remember for life of me what the spec was, but it was so, it wasn't great. I think, um, I think we were rocking something like four gigs of Ram and I upgraded it to eight gigs of Ram and it was like really low Ram. It wasn't great. Um, CPU was very small and I, I remember upgrading from four to eight gigs thinking that was, that would be it. That was all I would need for web development. Eight gigs of RAM. I wouldn't need anything else. Um, because I didn't expect the web to go in the direction it's gone. Um, I thought I was just going to build web pages, um, and not actual web systems. (laughs) There's a difference. Um, at the moment, uh in the office here i'm rocking two um mac two apple products the first one is uh the one i'm using at the moment which is a very ancient um a very ancient, ancient imac uh it's still running mac os catalina it's um it's a 2015 5k 27 inch um imac this is my streaming rig it's very old um, and it, it is, it is creaking. Uh, it's got 32 gigs of Ram, which isn't that bad. Um, but the Ram is only DDR3 <laughs> and it's got a four uh gigahertz quad core Intel core I seven. So in actual fact, when I bought the machine, it was like really expensive. Um, but it's, it's showing its age and I'm finding it very tricky to do any kind of, um, Video rec- editing on this machine just because it is so slow, so very, very slow. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, spec wise, it's great if this was a Windows box or if this was a Linux box, perfectly fine. But because it's an Apple machine, and because I use Premiere Pro, and because Premiere Pro updated, <laughs> and I can't go back unless I was to reinstall an earlier version of. Uh, the OS Premiere Pro works really, really slow, which sucks. Basically one day it was very, very fast. Well, normal speed. And then I did an update, updated the whole operating system, updated um, Premiere Pro, and then it went really, really, really slow. (laughs) And I can't downgrade the operating system because if I did that, then I would have to downgrade other things that I need. So I can't, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a bit of a catch 22 there, but I don't use this for development. This isn't a development machine. This is a streaming rig. Um, what I use for development is my laptop. Now this is my third, um, let's open it up here. This is my third MacBook pro that I've ever owned and let's have a look at the spec on this. So I go to about this Mac. So this is, again, this is a Mac OS Catalina. I am not going to upgrade to Big Sur, um, <laughs> just cause, um, well, I've heard so many issues with the upgrade, uh, around development. So I'm just not even going to bother, um, going up to Big Sur. I don't think not for a long time yet. Uh, it, it, anyway, it's a MacBook Pro 16 inch 2019 edition. So it's fairly recent, fairly recent. Um, it is only a 2.6 gigahertz, um, processor. However, um, it is a six core Intel i7. So it's, um, it's, It's better in terms of numbers, of course, for this compared to, uh, to the, to the streaming rig here. Um, but on the downside, it has only got 16 gigabytes of Ram, although it's at DDR4. Now this is the pinch point. It's the Ram that is choking, um, at the moment. 16 gigabytes of Ram. Um, the graphics is, um, is, if you want to know AMD Radeon, uh, pro, uh, 5,300, uh, four gigs of, uh, of, of Ram on that. So, you know, it's a fairly decent, it's a fairly decent machine. However, it's the Ram. The Ram is the thing that is causing the pain because I do a lot of Docker. Um, and the, the stuff that I'm working on at the moment is very resource hungry. Um, I do a lot of Elasticsearch stuff. I do a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, I don't know, configuring web servers and, you know, using Node and Node is just a resource hog. Elasticsearch is a resource hog. Before you know it, you've already consumed 10 gigs of gigabytes of RAM. Um, and you're, um, struggling and the base system like the OS needs two gigs of RAM. So that doesn't really give you a, any kind of r- room for maneuver. Now I never thought that web development re- would require anything but eight gigs around. When I started out, I didn't think that that was the thing. I th- just thought that, uh, you know, eight gigs around, that's all I needed. <laughs> but that back in the day, I didn't know if I was going to be a front end dev or a back end dev. And I naively thought that that's all I needed was eight gigs around and that will see me through. But the thing is that was back in the day when we didn't have node, we didn't have Docker, we didn't have uh, all these fancy, um, electron apps for the IDEs. Um, we didn't have to have huge amounts of file storage just to have an application running. So, and I didn't, I didn't anticipate it to go, to go as it is now, where does this leave me? because at the current, currently I am, like I said, I'm running out of RAM. I think it's the RAM that's really choking. I really need an upgrade. And, uh, with the current, I mean, I know there's lots of options out there. (coughs) Lots of, I mean, it's not, it's not to a point where I can't work on it. I can certainly work on it. Definitely. I mean, if I couldn't work on it, I would get another one straight away because I, it's a tool, I need it. Um, but I can, I can sort of smell in the wind that, in the next sort of six months, something is going to be needed. A, a replacement is going to be required, but right now it's perfectly fine. Um, so if I was to get something now, it would be definitely for a, an investment um, rather than a a quick requirement, if that, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, where do i go <laughs> i decided to go with apple um and this was this was the jump um i the decision i made to go to apple was because at the time i was building apple um mobile apps and i was working for um i was a, i it was it was when i started going freelance uh, i decided to buy myself my first Uh, laptop, my MacBook Pro as a freelancer. And, um, that was great. And then, uh, I had, I had that for several years and then the MacBook Pro died. So I had to buy another one at the time. I was still, but I was still, uh, building iOS apps. So I needed to have a MacBook. You can't build iOS apps using iOS, uh, without Apple, without Xcode. So that was a no brainer. I had to have a Mac um, and then, and then, uh, you know, I started doing live streams and I decided to get myself an iMac, you know, not just work on through a laptop. Um, I thought also that would be a, a safety thing as well. Just in case one died, I could then, you know, work on the next, the other machine. And because they were both compatible using the same sort of accounts and everything, it would be fine. And, uh, using airdrop perfect. It's great um but then the as the years went on i did i i did less and less mobile apps did less and less mobile apps and more sort of um yeah more web systems web applications um uh, i'm always in the command line always in bash uh or item or something like that um and uh my need my reliance on apple has uh, has has slowly uh, faded, (laughs) he says with an iPhone and an Apple watch. But in terms of my development during my day-to-day development, the requirement of needing Xcode is non-existent. So really to be fair, I could just get a Linux, uh, laptop and, and use that. Um, which is kind of a bit of a scary prospect because I, I mean, I, I have used Linux dedicated, dedicated for a long time. I was, um, one of the positions I had was uh, working for an agency, um, for four years. And, um, we were all on, uh, Linux Mint, all on a a window on on a Dell laptop. That was great. That was, that was, that was fine. That was great. So I'm, I'm totally confident and happy to be working in Linux um, day in and day out. My only concern is moving away from the Apple ecosystem um, because there is so much reliance there, especially with things like uh, time machine backups and um, synchronizing things from one machine to the next. Um, also, the, the I think Apple has it down in terms of just the IO, you know, it's USB-C ports. It's so, so, so deliciously easy to to, to use. It's great. And I've got like external monitors that feed off of this thing and it's great. Uh, so I'm a little bit sort of, um, cautious about jumping to a fully Linux ship. Also, as I mentioned earlier, um, the beauty of having both the MacBook pro and the iMac means that I, if, if one of them was to die, I could just use the other one, um, without, without much fuss. The trouble is they are so expensive. (laughs) They are so, so, so expensive. Um, you end up having to, you end up paying a huge Apple tax. I was looking on the system 76 website just earlier on today, and I was looking at their, um, their laptops and my word, you can spec them out and just, and pay, pay a fraction of what I paid for this iMac here. Uh, (laughs) So, so from a financial point of view, it makes sense. And that also means that, that the argument of requiring two kind of goes out the window a bit because, you know, you could just replace the iMac with a, some form of small little Linux server, um, perhaps with a, just a dedicated screen. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm, what I'm going to do, but something will need to happen in the next six months, I think, um, as a replacement for my development machine, because, and I can't believe I'm saying this 16 gigabytes of Ram just doesn't cut it. It just doesn't cut it for web development. And I cannot believe I'm saying that 16 gigs of Ram DDR. Is it four I'm on just doesn't cut it anymore, which is weird. It's weird to say that really is mind blowing to say that in order to build a web system, because I can't say I build websites anymore. It's mostly systems, um, on the web. And that's how that, and that, and that's a change of the times, right? So, you know, when you're building something that requires node or when you're building something that requires, you know, a level of Docker where you've got many containers and you've got like even, uh, external resources and stuff like that it's you're, you're building less of a single isolated application and more of a system an actual ecosystem that you're you're building and that takes huge amounts of resource i mean Elasticsearch is such a hungry 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 hippo and um a node i mean uh, i mean i i didn't even realize how much space Node was taking, and for some of the projects that I've got here, right? Um, we we would I would use Node just to create the, your um, the the npm install, and that would just be installing the the Node modules. That would be installing the Node modules. Sorry, I think that was a firework that just went out <laughs> off outside. That that would be installing Node uh, the Node modules stuff and doing some Webpack bits and pieces. And then, um, mounting that into the, uh, the, your, uh, your web application, your web system, your web application, your website. Um, and then that would be it. You wouldn't actually have node in your PHP site. You would have it as a sidecar container just to do all the JavaScript sort of, uh, minification, uglification, and compression. And then that would, the artifact from that would just go into your, um, your, your, uh, your system, your your website. So you're not actually using, you're using sort of Docker like build tools (laughs) and that build tool for node. I didn't realize how big it needed to be, but we're talking gigabytes here. We're talking gigabytes just to do, just to build your JavaScript. And we need that instantly. We, you know, especially when you're doing things with node, where you're watching, um, you're watching changes, and if that you're if you're doing that in a sidecar container, you know, and that's just happening in the background. Or let's take it in the other direction, the back back end direction. Let's say, for instance, you've got a gateway that you've got in Nginx X, and then you've got several websites behind that gateway, and perhaps you've got a, a Rabbit MQ server, perhaps you've got an Elasticsearch server, perhaps you've got a Redis server, and those little small satellite servers, um, they all require memory. they they all require, um, juice. <laughs> it never used to be like this. It never used to be like this when we were building websites back in the day, uh, back in the day when I was using Dreamweaver front page and AOL press to build websites and throwing everything up using FTP. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's a different game. We're bringing, we're, I think it's, it's because of cloud computing, to be fair. We were all sold cloud computing as a means of, you know, um, putting everything in the cloud and, you know, just store it in the cloud and forget about it. We still need to develop those things. So those things need to be come down from the cloud into our local machines and they take huge amounts of space. So in terms of minimum requirements, I mean, I guess it depends on where you are in terms of your, your level of experience. If you're just starting out as a web developer, I don't think you're going to be playing around with all the tools that I would be playing with on a day-to-day basis, because you would need to learn those tools, right? And this sounds really gatekeeping and and I I appreciate that, but I'm just saying that you're not going to suddenly on day one, you're not going to suddenly jump into Nginx you're not going to suddenly jump into um, Elasticsearch or Redis um, or Rabbit MQ or anything like that. You're going to be learning how to build and pr- well, learning how to program, <laughs> and you don't need a lot of resources for that. You don't. You really don't. Um, the the place where um, the ha- has been hit the hardest, I think, is the front end because now we're saying to people that in order to build a website in the front end, let's just say a a static static site, in order to build a static site, these days you need to install a static site generator such as Gatsby, (laughs) which requires Node, which is gigabytes worth in terms of Docker. So and that's, and not that I would ever recommend anybody to start learning Gatsby as the first thing they learn. Um, I think one needs to learn how to write HTML, which is just a couple of kilobytes worth of a file. Um, so you see what I mean? It's like the growth in terms of the resources just suddenly grows, suddenly grows. It's like, okay, now I learned, uh, HTML and now I've learned vanilla JavaScript. So let's go and build, build something on a framework such as react or Vue. Okay. Right. So now I need to learn node as in, you know, I need to learn, um, NPM, sorry, um, pull all the dependencies in. It never used to be like that. (laughs) It never used to be, uh, I never had to build a, I never, when I started out, I never had to install anything in order to get something to run. Right. I could just write a HTML file and there you go. I would write a, a JavaScript file. I write a CSS file and there you go. And if I was running a LAMP stack, then I would just, you know, have some PHP running in the, probably the same file. Cause that was what we used to do back in the day. Um, and set and forget it but now it's it's so different it's like you know in order for you to even consider doing using javascript you need to learn npm <laughs> you need to learn how to pull things in which means you need to learn the command line which means i think the front end has changed so drastically because the back end when you when you're dealing with say php or python um, you would just become naturally familiar with the command line because you would be running these on the server and at some point you would have to learn the command line because you just would have to, because you would have to run certain things on the server. Um, there was, there's only so much you can get away with until you have to SSH into a, a box, and, uh, tinker with, with things, but the front end devs never really had to do any of that. It was all sort of like, Oh, you know, we're just going to do some JavaScript, some CSS and some HTML, you know, we're going to throw in some graphics. I make it all sound really simple. This it, it, front end work is certainly not that simple. <laughs> um, but they were the front end devs weren't really, um, playing around with, with, uh, command line stuff. They didn't need to, uh, if they, if they needed to install something, they would download jQuery or, um, the earlier versions of, of bootstrap and embed the files or even use a CDN. Um, and then, and then, then it will changed. NPM came along and you needed to use NPM and now, um before anybody starts any project now it's kind of like you know right what dependencies do i need to install what framework do i need to install um we you didn't you didn't really have any of that back in the day in the front end um you know i can remember the back end being problematic downloading stuff from uh, you know php extensions and stuff but even back then there was a a big disconnect from uh, your local machine and the actual, uh, server that you were deploying to. There was a, a big, big disconnect, um, with that. And sometime, I mean, we got to a point where I would, I would perhaps virtualize the one of a server that kind of looked like, or felt like, um, or was configured to be a slightly identical to, um, like a testing server, maybe, and i would use uh, vm uh vmware that's what i used as well as virtualbox um to do some testing before it went up um so that was a bit of a re- res- that was my first sort of um my first experience into resource hungry applications because obviously when you're using a virtual machine you have to allocate the resources up front um, and so my, um, my, my four gigabytes worth of Ram back in the day suddenly got consumed. So, you know, that was when the eight gigs came in. I was like, yay, I can create some virtual machines, you know, happy days, happy, happy days. Um, but now with you know, I've turned my back on virtualization. It's all, it's all Docker now. Um, um, I haven't done any virtualized, I haven't used a virtual machine in years, But now with Docker, I mean, I know Docker is nice and lightweight, but then you start piling on the uh, containers and the images. And before you know it, I mean, I ran today, in fact, just because I was getting fed up with my machine, just getting sluggish. I ran Docker system prune hyphen (laughs) a, and I cleared 19 gigabytes worth of unused Docker objects. (laughs) Oh God. And it was still complaining after that. So what I'm saying is that the, the requirements are, have grown so, so fast. And I don't think anyone really is talking about it. Um, and I don't really know where things are going to go because I guess I'm still back in the old school where I think that, you know, websites should be really s- slim and, and, uh, lean and quick Um, but it just seems like, and and I mean, you need that, right? You need your websites need to be slim, um, small, lean and quick. Sure. Um, but I'm kind of also thinking that maybe the build tools need to be that too, you know? So you're uh, building your, your Docker images needs your build tools, your, uh, X debugs, your, uh, PHP stands, your, all of those things need to be nice and lightweight too, but that's not the case. That's, that's certainly not the case. There is, um, it seems like the more we pull down from the cloud, the bigger our development machines need to be. And 16 gigabytes today doesn't sound, uh, enough right now in 2021, 16 gigabytes is probably the minimum that you could possibly have. Um, (laughs) so I think, you know, eight gigabytes is gone. 16 gigabytes is probably the bare minimum. I'm going to be looking to upgrade. So at least 32. And then the next jump is 64. And before you know it, you're now, you're, you're, you're heading for over a hundred gigabytes worth of storage. Uh Sorry, a hundred gigabytes worth of RAM, which is bonkers, <laughs> utterly, utterly bonkers for web development, but that's just the world we're in. I don't think it's a good thing. I really don't. Um, I, I think, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I think it's just, it just shows the sign of the times when we bring all of our systems in and there's this big movement of like, you know, your, your local machine needs to replicate what's on staging, what's on production, obviously not with the data, um, as much as possible, right? Because then you can actually see the issues, um, you know, one-to-one or as, as one-to-one as you possibly can do, which is great. But as the, the, the web system, and I'm calling it a system, no longer a website as the web system grows and grows and grows and grows. So does your development machine. Um, maybe we're going to get to a point where we have to have 64 gig. Maybe I'll do an episode where we get to 64 gigs of RAM. That's mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. But that's where we are. It's shocking, isn't it? So yeah, I'm probably going to look at a System76 uh, Linux box. I'm going to probably turn away from Apple for a bit. I'm perfectly happy to do that apart from, you know, the, uh, some of the concerns I mentioned earlier, but in terms of a development thing, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, and, uh, we'll see how it goes on. If I do get it, I'll let everybody know on Twitter and, and, and here and stuff. Uh, and I'll, uh, explain my experience, um, not only switching from Mac to Linux again, but also, you know, what i chose and, uh, you know, my experience with the hardware, um, it'll be nice to get back to raw Linux. I think that will be nice. That would be nice. I just think that I'm too used to Apple. Um, and there will be some things that I will deeply, deeply miss and regret, um, not having, (laughs) But, uh, I'm, I'll be interested to know what your setups are. If you, uh, if you hook me up on, um, discord, so go to how to forward slash discord, uh, you can find out there before I go, I'm just going to talk about the code challenge for, um, for this month, this code challenge ends, uh, at the end of March. And I'll just bring this up now, uh, whilst, uh, whilst I can, so the code challenge is a coding, ch- oh, sorry, code net. Um, there is a problem with the, uh, www, So don't worry about that. Just go to uh, HTTP, uh, colon forward slash forward slash code This one is a PHP object oriented uh, quiz. Okay. And, uh, this, I, I kind of set this out to be, uh, like an interview style quiz um, so these are some of the questions that you you may get when you're um, doing a, a PHP interview having a PHP interview. So test your PHP um, object-oriented programming knowledge with these interview style questions. Um, some questions require a yes or a no and other others require a code example. Please use markdown to write your answers and read the code submission details. So in order to submit your code, because I review these, um, I'll be reviewing this on uh, the 28th of March, which is Sunday, live on Twitch. And to submit your work, what you would do is you would create a GitHub repository and uh, you you would answer these questions in Markdown. And then I would, and then submit that to our coding channel, coding challenges channel, uh, on discord. And I will, I will, uh, clone the, your repository and then I will, uh, review the answers. And then I'll do that. I'll do that on live on Twitch. And it's a, it's a great way of sort of, it's a great way of, of, of sharing knowledge. It's not, I should say this isn't any, this isn't scary. Like, I mean, it might be scary. It shouldn't be scary. It's not, um, it's not meant to out people at all. Um, it's meant to improve people's knowledge in, uh, in this case, PHP object orientation. Um, so there's 10 questions here in this quiz. Um, and I'll go through, I'll quickly go through them now. And if you can answer them whilst you're listening to this podcast, um, then please do consider joining and uh, and taking part. So, question number one, um, and I should say before I start, some of these are trick questions. <laughs> question number one is multiple inheritance supported in PHP? Yes or no? So, in that case, you would you know say yes or no uh, in your in your answer. Question two: Explain the difference between a class and an object. So. Um, just have a paragraph of text explaining the difference between a class and an object. If you want to demonstrate this in code by the way, you certainly can do. I'm not on you know that's that's no problem um explain it in as in a way. Uh, that works best for you. So question three is demonstrate the singleton pattern. So this is a requirement of code. So please create some code that explains and demonstrates the difference between, sorry, uh, that demonstrates the singleton pattern. And then question four is explain why the singleton pattern is sometimes considered an, and huh, considered an, anti-pattern. I can't say that. Maybe I've had too much beer. Explain why the singleton pattern is sometimes considered an anti-pattern. That's question number four. Question number five is explain what a, I'll start that again. Explain what an abstract class is. That's number five. Explain what an abstract class is. Question number six. Can an abstract class extend another abstract class? Yes or no. Question number seven is, can a PHP interface extend another interface? Yes or no. Question eight. How many interfaces can a PHP class implement? Uh question number nine is explain when you would use an interface instead of an abstract class. And lastly but not least, question number ten: explain the output of the following code. Now I'm gonna explain this code here. Um it's always difficult when you're explaining code when you're when you're talking through the lines of code. Um it's gonna be especially difficult over the podcast, but I'll give it I'll give it a shot. So What I would like you to do is explain the output of this code. So we've got a final class. It's a base class, final class, base class. In this base class, there is a public function called test. And this public function in this final base class returns a string. And this string has the value base class colon colon test parentheses called Okay. So that returns that string there. And then underneath this, we have another class, which is called child class. Now child class extends the final base class. And then, and and it's completely empty. It doesn't have anything in there. It's just a class, which is, you know, a child class, which extends that final base class. Under that, we have um, the, the, the global scope code. So this is um, OBJ. This is the va- variable OBJ is equal to a new instantiation of the child class. Okay. So OBJ equals new child class. Underneath that, we have a variable called output and that output, the, the va- that variable is assigned the value of OBJ arrow test. So it's calling the test function from the child class, which extends the final base class, which has the public function test. Now, remembering this will return a string, which is base class colon colon test parentheses called. And after we've called that test function and we've assigned that to the variable output, we are then echoing out output. So my question is, can you explain the output of the following code? Right. Can you explain the following code? What is output there? What, what, what are you echoing out? Now, remember I mentioned that some of these are trick questions. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you could explain that, but maybe if you want to, you can demonstrate that too. Uh, that would be great. That'd be great. So there, there, are the 10 questions. And I, like I said, I'm going to review this all the submissions, uh, on Twitch on the 28th of March. Um, it's, will be happening at 1430 GMT. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll between now and then I'll keep, uh, r- reminding everyone about this, uh, PHP OOP quiz. It is at code, uh, code net. Um, go there and you can see that challenge. Um, and you can also see the previous challenges as well. So if I went to the one beforehand, we had our PHP CLI one-liners, um, and we had uh, a submission, uh, there, which was really, really, really good. Um, all of these videos will be going up, um, shortly. I mentioned at the start of the show that, uh, there's a backlog that I've got to work through. But, um, once I do the review live on Twitch, what I do is I, export the video, upload it to YouTube to the archive channel, and then I embed it on the website. Um, and I also link to your GitHub profile, um, in the, in, in the challenge page, which means that if you wanted to, you could use this as a means of a portfolio. You know, if you're learning how to code, um, how to code well, and you, um, you want, you don't have a website yet, a portfolio, you could use this and you could link from your GitHub account to this uh, site, or, you know, I'm going to do it the other way. So I'm going to be linking from this site to your GitHub profile. So the more challenges you do, this is basically what I'm trying to say, the more challenges you do, the more sort of exposure you will get on this website in terms of links back to your profile. Um, and also you can use this in your, um, in your CV. If you are literally just starting out, um, uh, and you're learning to code and, uh, you want something on your CV, you can certainly use this, you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. You can say, you know, I did these code challenges and you can list them. And I should say these code challenges, they don't, they're not all PHP. Um, I know that we had, we've got PHP this month and we've got PHP, we had PHP last month, but, um, the majority of them have actually been JavaScript. Um, so we've, we created some JavaScript games last year and I might be doing that again this year. I don't know. Uh, but we've also done some Python work as well. We've even done regex as well. So it's a, it's quite random every month. But, um, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe using the, uh, the quiz style stuff for the next few months, because I wouldn't mind doing this sort of style of, of quiz, but in different types of programming languages. So we could have a JavaScript quiz. We could have a HTML quiz. Um, this is slightly different to the other, uh, challenges where the challenges were go and build something. Um, and then I'll review your code after you've built it. This is more, uh, exp- this is more challenging your theory knowledge in, of, or your knowledge of, uh, of a particular programming concept. In this case, it would be object oriented programming, but anyway, that's all I've got for tonight thank you ever so much everybody for uh, l- watching on the youtubes and listening on the podcasts uh, I will be uploading this to our podcast site um this weekend as well as as well as the previous two episodes that I haven't got round to doing yet and as a rolling joke no I haven't created a contact form yet on net, but hopefully hopefully soon <laughs> Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. Have a good week and I'll see you again. Same time next week. Cheers. Bye bye.